if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I said three weeks ago that I thought Dayball's seat might be getting, you know, a little teeny bit warm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a very understated comment, but it elicited quite the reaction about how foolish I am to even dare suggest anything like that. Well, they don't call me the great Danton for nothing. I've earned that nickname here on this show. And three weeks removed from that comment, the perception on that notion has changed greatly. Now, the fans will still tell you that it's completely foolish to have that kind of conversation or even that thought. But you see it not just with the the team's beat now. You're starting to see it nationally where people are kind of raising an eyebrow saying, well, he's probably not going to get fired. But that's certainly a far cry from saying he will not get fired, which is what some of those announcers were saying. And I think the faith in his job security is waning considerably. The Giants, after all, have fired three straight head coaches after two seasons. And um, if they lose to a team on Sunday that they otherwise own uh, and who they just beat a few weeks ago, even with the quarterback situation being what it is, I can't envision a scenario at all in any universe where John Mara is not absolutely furious with Brian Dayball, if that's the case. Hey there, everybody, and welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, Dan Benton alongside the Giants Wire podcast, which is powered by the USA Today Network. Dan, of course, is the managing editor of the Giants Wire. Dan, how you doing this week? It's an interesting time to be covering the Giants. You'd think that Joe Judge was back running the show, but he's not, so it's kind of an odd fall from grace. Um, I don't think anybody expected to come into this week or listen to this podcast believing that we'd be talking about a Giants victory. Um, you know, None of us expected the Giants to go and, and beat Dallas. Um, kind of expected it to be you know, a, a face stomping, which is, you know, what it ultimately was. But that's obviously compounded by the issues that the Giants are experiencing off of the field. Players going at players, players going at coaches, coaches going at coaches. Um, I don't want to say the wheels are coming off because it kind of feels like the wheels are already off. Um, so if that gives you any indication of how I'm feeling, um, there you have it. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice, Dan. It is yeah. always That is always a loaded question. How are you doing covering this team? But uh, just a housekeeping note for those that are new to the program or just finding us. We appreciate you joining. You can hit subscribe, leave a review, all that stuff. That's how you can support us. And uh, it's great to have you on board. And to those that listen all the time, uh, thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming back. And there's there's always a lot to get to, Dan, uh, with this team. But let's start with where you just left off. I mean, do you think Dayball has lost control of the of the team? We're seeing guys like, I mean, Darius Slayton. I, I'm pretty sure Slay is not exactly known for being a teapot dad out there. He doesn't usually blow his top very often, but even he's having animated discussions with assistant coaches on the sideline, right? You're seeing this, the side eyes, the quote unquote animated discussions all over the place. Saquon Barkley, Brian Dayball's often in the middle of them, right? It's just, there does seem to be, to your point, all kinds of stuff going on on the sideline, visible frustration. You can just, it, it's, there's cracks in the foundation there. Well, I think that's certainly a sign of losing control. Um, I know that there are plenty out there who act like it's blasphemy to say anything negative about Dayball um, or Joe Shane or, you know, any of the shot callers within the Giants organization, unless it's Kevin Abrams, who is, you know, free game apparently. But, you know, this doesn't happen with even average teams. You know what I mean? Like you can go back throughout history and there's maybe one bad apple here and there, generally a wide receiver, especially during the – 
you know, the Terrell Owens, Chad Johnson kind of prima donna days that were the wide receivers. But to see this level of issue, um, this level of confrontations, these level of heated conversations, the airing out of grievances to the public, the crapping on coaches, the crapping on players, eh, you know, it's it's hard to look at it all and, and say, yeah, this, this is something that Dayball has complete control of. I know he's come out and said things like, you know, this is normal. This happens on every sideline. But like I alluded to this week, if the cameras panned over to the Dallas Cowboys sideline, something tells me they're not screaming at each other like that over there. People can live in denial all they want to. But if Dable hasn't lost control, he's on the verge of losing control. And um, it didn't begin against the Cowboys. It, it began earlier than that. Uh, you know, people may recall Xavier McKinney was calling out the coaches, you know, had his conversation with Wink Martindale. Uh, then Martindale came out and uncharacteristically threw McKinney completely under the bus, calling him a liar, essentially, in public. And obviously, that's not going to be something that reflects well in the locker room. They've got, you know, Saquon and Dayball going at it. You have Darius Slayton, an assistant coach, wide receivers coach, Mike Rowe going at it. Sterling Shepard stepping in and, and those two getting animated with each other. Jihad Ward after the game saying, that he's going to vent at some point this week. He didn't want to say it then, but he's got a lot to say, and he's going to be honest when he shares his feelings on things. So that should be fabulously entertaining. Yep. You had all the players refusing to meet with members of the media uh, after that loss, leaving Tommy DeVito just to just get peppered with questions because nobody else wanted to talk. Uh, Dexter Lawrence coming out the next day and shredding the reporters for, for covering the fact that he refused to talk to, to them after the game, which to his credit, he had a good reason for that, but there were several other players on the team who, who didn't, and they, they refused to speak to. So you've got all this infighting, you've got these sideline tantrums, you've got fans and players going at it, players and reporters going at it, players, and like I said, players and players, players and coaches, coaches and coaches, Wink and Dayball were obviously not on the same page on Sunday. So if you can look at that as a whole and say that Dayball hasn't lost a team, I mean, you are certainly a glass half full person. Um, but like I said, if he hasn't lost a team, he's certainly on the verge of losing it. I don't think waving the white flag is the right call, but I mean, they're sticking with DeVito, who it's, I don't blame him. But, I mean, he clearly – he's not giving you a chance to win um, in these games that he's playing. And they don't trust him to even yeah, try. Exactly. I mean, you, you just can't win when you're averaging three yards per per completion and you're – you can't get – I mean, he can't get the football to his wide receivers. That's just – we could go through it game by game. But, you know, besides some garbage time throws, he's not getting the ball to his wide receivers. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, 44 Bellinger, yards. Yeah. 44 yards passing before garbage time. Yeah, exactly. I mean – Daniel Bellinger is the leading receiver. He can't get the ball to his wide receivers. Uh, it's just we're, we're seeing that. Uh, it's all running backs and tight ends, and it's all short. So uh, DeVito, I mean, it's not his fault, but he's not giving you any chance. So him him going out there, it's like the Giants are already playing left-handed. But then you see Dayball, like, he challenges the first play of the game. It was clearly down by contact, Dan. Oh, I know man. that's a big one. Uh, the, the fourth down called running Saquon right into the – meat of the line uh i know that was part of the reason why they were having that animated discussion right uh people are talking about the end of the game whether the giants were burning timeouts at a what was it 49 to 10 they were burning all their timeouts to try to score at the end which i know you you were telling me earlier you don't have a big problem with that but it's just like this whole thing the whole like approach right now with it it feels like a we we are conceding this season we're two and eight we're we've got our third string quarterback in there who doesn't give us much of a chance, but we're going to keep rolling about there. Where's, 
where's Matt Barkley? Is there anyone else they can pick up? No, we're going with DeVito. We're going to keep rolling him out there behind, you know, what has got it. I think statistically is pretty obviously the, the worst pass blocking offensive line of football. We're going to put this poor kid out there and he can't, he can't get the ball to his playmakers and we're just going to keep doing it. So is that like a, does that count as a waving of the white flag on this season, Dan? Are they resigning to the fact that, all right, let's just, let's just play the string out here and try to not kill each other on the sideline during games and see where we can pick next year in 2024. Is that where we're at? Yeah, it certainly seems like that. I mean, I, I guarantee you, if you were to ask Dable and he was honest, he just wants the season to be over at this point. Seems that way. Um, and listen, the, the unfortunate number of injuries, I don't know, you know, like the coach can't really help that. Um, it is a consistent problem with these giants that somehow still is not being figured out. Everybody thought, oh, we'll just change the, the turf in MetLife Stadium and the and the injury issues will, will vanish. And that certainly, nope. that most certainly has not been the case. The nope. giants are again on pace to lead the league in man games loss, which is truly astonishing since I think it's, what is, was it since 2009, they lead the league and, and man games lost. And they're still somehow in this situation where they just can't keep guys on the field. It's just, it's amazing. And don't you dare ever question their medical staff because that's the best in the business. And, you know, even Graham Gano came out and, and, and chastised fans and reporters for daring to question that. But, you know, if you have this miraculous training staff and this miraculous medical staff, how the hell for, for you know, for for more than a decade, you're leading the league in injuries and, and you're not slowing down and you're changing everything else, but still having these injuries. It's it's just astonishing because that's just the trend with the Giants. It's not even necessarily the injuries, but the other things, like you mentioned, the offensive line is another consistent decade plus issue that this team just can't seem to get figured out. And it was fun to blame all that on Daniel Jones, but now Daniel Jones isn't there. So you can't blame it on him anymore. And, um, you know, you see the argument that, uh, oh, CJ Stroud is, you know, he, he's making his offensive line better. And, you know, that's what good quarterbacks do. And it's, it's easy to just throw out those kind of, that kind of commentary um, because yes, there is a, a level of the offensive line that's impacted by the play of the quarterback, but the quarterback play is also very much impacted by the offensive line and the difference between the Texans, which is the common example that we see these days in the giants is that they are drastically different in terms of overall talent, grade and win rate. Uh, I, you know, I sent you a graphic this week that's, just absolutely astonishing when you actually when you think about what it actually displays analytically the giants are not just dead last in the nfl in pass protection but they are far and away the worst in pass protection uh the distance between them and the second worst offensive line unit pass protection unit in the league is the same distance it's actually a greater distance away than houston texans are from being the best pass protecting offensive line in the league so that speaks volumes about where the giants are um, in that particular area and why that is sort of a, a straw man argument that's being made when you compare the texans and the giants and their offensive lines and particularly their pass protection because it's not that the giants are a bad offensive line. It's that they're an astonishingly bad non-NFL level pass protected offensive line. And that graphic was um, amazing. There's there's being in the basement and then there's being uh, buried in the ground underneath the basement. <laughs> That's kind of where mm-hmm. the Giants were on that graphic. That's wild. I wish um, I wish that people listening to this could see this graphic, which is which again is it's analytical. It's it's compiled of data using uh, you know ESPN, PFF, and some uh, some other things. Um, it's not just one sole fan made graphic. It's it's a little 
a literal analytical graphic that shows you just how bad the Giants are. And visually, it, it tells you how absolutely horrible the situation is. And I can't overstate that enough. I know you can't see it. You can only hear us talk about it. But I assure you, it's it's worse than you even think it is. It's bad. You couple that with a quarterback that just is not ready to be a professional quarterback yet. And, uh, you know, the skill position guys with Waller out being what it is. And it's you can't score. You can't score. And then you're 10 point dogs to a Washington commanders team that you own, uh, which we'll get to that one here coming up next. Uh, One thing that really stuck out. There's a lot of little things in the game, Dan, but I don't know going through the game. It's just it was just an ugly, ugly game. I mean, you get down 28 to nothing. You have there's just. We all knew it was just there was no chance they weren't going to compete. We kind of knew it at kickoff anyway. Uh, but during the game, one thing I found interesting was some of the comments that the uh, the commentators made. Greg Olson, Kevin Burkhart on the uh, broadcast, they were just kind of saying, you know, hey, those of you saying that Brian Dayball's on the hot seat, Joe Shane, not happening, zero jeopardy of losing their jobs. I think Olson said that it's not about evaluating them; it's about evaluating the players on the roster. Uh, and then Burkhart kind of chimed in, said, yeah, don't don't forget, guys, Dayball won coach of the year, which, uh, you know, I think it's fair. Yeah, fair. Dayball did win coach of the year last year. But I, I think it's also fair to say that this year he's not going to win it. <laughs> it's, it's been a step back. He has not done. He has not done a great job. And as we've kind of talked about it at various times, Dan, his leadership, I think, has kind of sucked this year. Dayball, I don't think he's I don't think he's had his guys ready to go. Um, I, I think at times it's been it's been questionable, and there's been a lot of things we could pick through. But is Dayball should Dayball be fired? I think that's a little strong. But should his seat be getting warm? Should he be a, a surefire? He's the Giants coach in 2024 and beyond. Uh, I don't know about that, right? Like, how do you feel about that piece? Should he definitely be the coach next year, or should he being a should he be being evaluated like everybody else, like the players, uh, like they were talking about on the broadcast? Well, you know, if you listen to the show regularly, you know that I said three weeks ago that I thought Dayball's seat might be getting, you know, a little teeny bit warm. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a very understated comment, but it elicited quite the reaction about how foolish I am to even dare suggest anything like that. Well, they don't call me the great Danton for nothing. I've earned that nickname here on the show. And three weeks removed from that comment, the perception on that notion has changed greatly. Now, the fans will still tell you that it's completely foolish to have that kind of conversation or even that thought. But you see it not just with the the team's beat now. You're starting to see it nationally where people are kind of raising an eyebrow saying, well, he's probably not going to get fired. But that's certainly a far cry from saying he will not get fired, which is what some of those announcers were saying. And I think the faith in his job security is waning considerably. The Giants, after all, have fired three straight head coaches after two seasons. And um, if they lose to a team on Sunday that they otherwise own uh, and who they just beat a few weeks ago, even with the quarterback situation being what it is, I can't envision a scenario at all in any universe where John Mara is not absolutely furious with Brian Dayball, if that's the case. Giants fans, longtime Giants fans will undoubtedly know this. You know, the late Wellington Merritt despised the Washington franchise more than Dallas, more than Philadelphia, more than the Jets, more than anyone else. I can't say for certain that John Merritt carries that same disdain for a Washington franchise, but he undoubtedly knows how his father felt about them. So, if the, like I said, if the Giants go out there and lose to the Commanders on Sunday, 
if Dayball seat's not warm right now, which I believe that it is, it's certainly going to heat up after that. This is essentially a must-win game for Dayball, not in the sense that they have any playoff hopes, but the impact and the fallout from losing to a commander's team that, like I said, they otherwise own and who Wellington absolutely detested is not going to reflect well. The optics are not going to be good in that building. And you can consider that the absolute bottom of the barrel because if the Giants lose to a team that they, the only team for the past decade that they found consistent success against, it's going to look very bad. And it's it's going to feel very bad. And I, like I said, I think that seat's already warm, but I think it'll warm up considerably after that. And I think that the pressure from the media is going to start to mount. And you're going to start to see some fringe fans start to sway a little bit more and say, hey, wait a second, you know, maybe this this isn't the answer. You're already actually starting to see that with Joe Shane and people starting to finally question some of his personnel decisions, you know, because you constantly hear the talk about how Evan Neal is a bust and Kayvon is a bust and Daniel Jones stinks and Shane just needs his guys. Well, those are his guys. He's hitched his wagon to those guys. So you're starting to see that now, too, where even he is starting to be questioned uh, publicly. So, again, if they go out and lose on Sunday, this talk about both of those guys is going to heat up considerably. I like that, Dan. I, that adds some juice to this game. That's good. And we haven't had any juice around a Giants game in some time. Uh, but it is uh, it is such a commentary and it just kind of puts it in perspective where you're at uh, when you're your dogs by 10 points against a commander's yeah. team, like you said, Dan, that the Giants have owned and just beat by a touchdown a month ago. Um, your 10-point dogs to that team. Um, so we'll get into that one here coming up. But first, Dan, before we head on to Giants commanders, you know, and just to wrap up, you know, the the stuff with the broadcast, like I'm sure Olsen's just parroting things from a you know production meeting sometimes that, you know, you, you can get fed stuff. Maybe he he heard that from someone within the Giants and said, "Hey, this is the narrative mm-hmm. where we don't want people talking about Dayball's job." But I just wish we could be honest. Can we just say like Dayball's probably not getting fired, but he's done a crappy job so far this year, and he's not the coach yeah. of the year? Can we just say that? Yeah. Isn't that fair? Yeah, I mean, it is strange. It is strange, isn't it? The dynamic that has engulfed these Giants um, about how you could you could criticize all the players that these guys have hitched their wagon to, but you can't hit you can't criticize them for hitching the wagon to those players. It's a, it's a really bizarre dynamic that, and I think it's, I think it's more about Giants fans trying to talk themselves into believing that Dayball is the answer more than they actually believe that Dayball and Shane are the answer. And that is a mighty fall from where we just were a year ago at this time, where people were like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to the Giants. These guys are going to listen. And I'm just as guilty of that. I was 100% in on these guys a year ago. I still don't believe that they should be fired, but the notion that they shouldn't be facing any pressure is ridiculous. Um, you know, Dayball winning that playoff game last year probably is what buys him the extra year. Uh, because if they finish the season the way they did and then bombed out in the playoffs, the perception of what happened last year would be wildly different than what it is. And I think that that would carry over into this season. And right now, if they didn't win that playoff game, we'd be having the conversation about whether or not the Giants are going to fire the fourth consecutive coach after just two years. There was a report about Daniel Jones. We want to get to that. And of course, this game against the Commanders, we'll do it on the other side. First, let's get some fantasy advice for week 11 from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 11. Quarterback Jordan Love, Green Bay Packers versus Los Angeles Chargers. 
Not only has Los Angeles given up the most passing yards per game to the position at just under 316, quarterbacks have scored a rushing touchdown on four occasions this year, and no team has allowed more, which is a nice little bonus to consider. This is the best fantasy matchup of the week, and Love faces a defense that has granted six 23-plus point performances in nine games, and they haven't picked off a pass in three of the last five outings. This matchup is 22.7% better than average in the last five games. Running back Tony Pollard, Dallas Cowboys at Carolina Panthers. Three straight games have passed since Pollard made it into double-digit PPR land, and he has posted only one stat line worth more than 10.5 PPR points since week three. The Panthers have allowed running backs 1.33 rushing scores per game on the year, and the 15 total touchdowns in nine contests gives hope for a strong showing. This is the second weakest unit at slowing the position. In the last five weeks, Carolina has given up the fourth most rushing yards and the 10th most total yards per game to running backs. Only eight defenses have permitted scores at a higher rate. Stick with your stud running back in this one. Speaking of struggling studs, Calvin Ridley, Jacksonville Jaguars versus Tennessee Titans. The former Atlanta receiver has been all over the map in 2023, and the last four games have seen him post three lines with fewer than seven PPR points apiece, and a six-catch 83-yard game to headline that stretch. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. There's a quality opportunity to get on track this week versus a Tennessee unit that has permitted wide receivers to average the 13th most catches and the 12th most yards per game since week five ended. And a dozen squads have seeded touchdowns at a higher clip. On the year, eight receivers have gone for at least 16 PPR points against the Titans and Ridley should make it nine. Tight end Trey McBride, Arizona Cardinals at Houston Texans. McBride was a fantasy monster in Kyler Murray's first game back from injury, and he's a de facto number two receiver in this offense. Houston has given up the second most catches per game to tight end since week six began, and this is the third weakest unit at limiting PPR points on average in that time frame. Nine teams have been bigger pushovers when it comes to limiting scores. Expect another strong day from the young tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back, Dan. Uh, the Giants, I believe, what are they projected now? Number two overall for 2024? Number, yep. Yeah, yep. currently number two, but they're like 1% off of having the most the favorite at odds to pick number one overall. Oh, they're in the running. And, and with, and with oh, Tommy yeah. DeVito starting games for them uh, in the state of the offense, I think they're they're very much in the running for the number yeah. one overall pick. Hey, it's, it's a very realistic possibility that they don't win again this year. Can they hold off my Patriots? Then we'll find out. That'll be quite the game. That we cover uh, yes, here. It's going to end up being an important game, but not for the reasons oh, we expected. God, when the uh, yeah. For those listening, I'm a freaking Patriots fan, and I'm I <laughs> I feel your pain, Giants fans. Holy crap, we are bad. This is this is quite a situation. Giants Patriots next week. Oh God. Oh, that's going to be, I might have to drink, Dan. We do this podcast early in the morning, but I might, I might have some, some special of my coffee for that, for that episode, but little Irish coffee to start the day. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there was a report, interesting one here. Uh, now, whether you believe it or not, uh, who knows, right? I'm sure some Giants fans don't want to believe it, but there was a report that some key people within the organization still have faith in Daniel Jones. They still think he could be the long-term solution that even if the Giants are picking that high in the draft, Dan, next year, it's not a shoe-in that they would go quarterback. Maybe they would continue to try to build around the quarterback they just paid last offseason. Uh, I'm sure people are feeling a certain kind of way about that one. Uh, what do you think about that report? What's what's your gut telling you? <laughs> well, listen, I said it to you off air, and I'll say it right here on air. I know there's this narrative and this notion and this belief among Giants fans that all that is is John Mara meddling. And I'm telling you, I know they don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. They'll refuse to believe it. That's not the case. 
John Mara is not forcing Daniel Jones on Joe Shane and Brian Dayball. He's just not. Now, whether or not Mara's made his feelings about Jones clear to them, I, I, I'm sure that he has. Uh, but going back to this offseason, it's important to remember that Joe Shane declined the fifth-year option on Daniel, or the last season, excuse me, declined the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones with no guarantees that, that that he would be re-signed. He had every opportunity to go into the draft and make trades and, and, and go find a quarterback if that's what he desired to do, but that's not what they did. They signed Daniel Jones to a long-term deal, and that was Joe Shane's decision. That was not John Maron's decision. That was Joe Shane's decision. Now, you know, you hear that Daniel Jones is not their guy. They need their guy. They made Daniel Jones their guy. That was their decision. It was not John Mara's decision. It was their decision. So fast forward to now when you hear this report. And this, listen, this comes from Ralph Acciano, who is a long tenured Giants beat writer. He is well tapped in with the organization. When he says he's talking to team sources, he is talking to team sources. So there is someone in that building who is relaying the information to him that key people who I believe are Joe Shane and Brian Dayball, are still very much in on Daniel Jones. Now, whether or not I believe they won't draft a quarterback, that's a different story. I think that when you're in a quarterback-rich draft and you have a top five pick and potentially even a top one pick for the Giants here, you, you sort of have to go quarterback. You could trade back and pick up a whole bunch of you know extra you know, draft stock, which the Giants clearly need, and still get a quarterback later in the in the first round. And I think it's almost imperative that the Giants do that. And if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm a Daniel Jones guy. I, I believe that he's been misused uh, and put in horrible situations since coming to the Giants. Now, that's not to absolve him of his own issues. I've been very critical of him this year. I believe he's regressed. Um, but I still think the Giants have the opportunity to build around him, and they could do that with a top draft pick. But again, I, I go back to the reality that it's a quarter a quarterback rich draft. And I think that with a potential out in Daniel's Daniel Jones's contract after next season, you, you almost have to draft whatever quarter, whatever the top quarterback is when, when you're, you're on the clock. And if the giants do have the number one overall pick, I still do believe that they've got to take the quarterback. Now I said, when Daniel Jones got hurt, that his giants career is probably not done because financially it can't be. And I still believe that to be the case. And if he makes it back for week one of next year, which, you know, early reports are that they believe that he will, which is honestly astonishing if that Remark happens. Remarkable. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I do think that he'll be the starter, but I, I have little doubt that the giants are going to draft a quarterback and, and put them behind Daniel Jones. If for no other reason to genuinely push him because, and it's no disrespect to Tyrod Taylor at all. That was just never going to happen. It, Daniel Jones is always going to be the starter. So maybe I'll light a, a fire under him next year, but I do believe that the report is accurate, but I also believe the Giants are going to draft a quarterback. So I think two things can be true at the same time. Okay, so the Giants could draft a potential successor. I mean, if you're drafting a quarterback that high, it's it's a successor, well, but not right. starting it's gotta right be away. you got to have insurance, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the Giants have had no insurance, and we've seen that play out this season in, in a really unfortunate way. Uh so I, I think it would be beneficial to them. Plus, you know, people people forget that it wasn't that long ago in the NFL that you didn't start your rookie quarterbacks. That wasn't the trend. It is now because they're so heavily invested in financially. But for the longest time, it was you, you work on your on your rookie quarterback. You let them learn. You you know you you build them up from you know the sideline is is how it was. And and they would sit for a year or in some cases even two years. 
and, and that often proved to be more beneficial than throwing them into the fire. Now, again, things have changed, and you can make the argument about C.J. Stroud and others, but the bust rate for quarterbacks chosen in the first round is still astronomically high. So, it again, it, it would make sense for the Giants to take that old-school approach and draft that quarterback and try and build them up behind Daniel Jones. And if Daniel Jones goes off, then no harm, no foul. But if he fails... You know, you've got your insurance package behind them. Again, still a high, uh, you know, draft or bust percentage, no matter who the quarterback is. It could be anybody. We've seen that through the years. Um, But at least you would give yourself that insurance at that point. So I think that's the approach that these guys are going to take. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm a fan of letting the quarterback sit. Um, I, I think it's it's a good thing. But you just—it's rare now at the top of the draft. There, like you said, Dan, when you're when you're picking in the top five and you pick a quarterback up there, usually they start. Um, we saw yeah. it this year, right, with all the guys. But mm-hmm. maybe Bryce Young could have benefited from sitting a little bit. I don't know. Maybe um, Stroud looks like a unicorn. Anthony Richardson—he looked pretty good too, but he couldn't stay healthy. Um, so we'll see. That—that uh, that is an interesting thing. I mean, I think right now, Dan, the Giants. They could use all the quarterbacks they could get, you know, from what we've yeah. experienced this year. We, we could use all the quarterbacks we can well, get because we have Tommy DeVito starting again, I right. think, right? Well, I mean, the, that, really, are they going to go into next season with Tommy DeVito as their backup quarterback and feel comfortable with that oh, situation? God, I, I hope not. I, and I, I, listen, I'm not trying to insult the kid by any stretch of the imagination. I I have empathy for the horrible situation the poor kid's been thrown into. And I hope it doesn't completely derail his career because mentally this could be pretty rough on a, on a young kid. And I hope that's not the case. But again, looking ahead the next year, you, you can't, you can't have Tommy DeVito be your backup quarterback. You just cannot. And you, you're not going to want to go sign someone in, in free agency either. So, you know, it makes sense that it would be a drafted quarterback. Now, whether or not that's at the top of the first round, I can't, I can't say, you know, like I said, the options are to trade back, you know, get a couple extra first round picks or an extra first round pick, and maybe you take a quarterback later in the first round. Like, who knows? There, there are fifth round quarterbacks out there in the NFL right now that are playing tremendous football. So, you know, uh, again, it's just there's a high bust percentage of those first round guys. And, and, and someone in the mid rounds doesn't necessarily mean they won't have success in the NFL. So the Giants could very easily build up their draft stock, build up, you know, their offensive line, which is so desperately needed to get some true playmakers and, and still managed to get a quarterback who serves as an insurance backup to Daniel Jones, who could have a potential long-term future in the NFL as well. So, you know, I think that might be the smartest approach that the Giants can take, but I would be shocked if they don't take a quarterback in the draft in the early rounds, if not the first round, uh, come April. Same. Yeah. And, and just circling back to your point about Tommy DeVito, you know, he can't be the backup next year. I mean, I don't even want him to start anymore this year. Like, can we find somebody else? Like I was Googling, I was Googling. I'm like, are they going to go to Barkley? Are they going to figure something out? Like, they can't just keep putting this kid out there. Uh, he's just not ready. They, they, they're they not giving themselves a, a chance with DeVito at quarterback. And the only thing I could find, Dan, when I, I'm looking to see if he's going to be indeed the starter is that he's still living with his parents. That's uh, just a million articles about him living with his parents <laughs> and, and how he loves that. And uh, there's a quote in there. Uh, everything outside of football is handled by my family. I don't have to worry about laundry, <laughs> what I'm eating for dinner, chicken cutlets. All of that is there waiting for me when I get there. My mom still makes my bed. Everything is handled for me. Honestly, I don't even know if I could find a place closer to here where, than where I live. It takes me 12 minutes to get here. So I, DeVito's easy to like. Uh, I like him. I but, do. And I do like him too. Yeah. But, my God, my God, we we've got a we've got a kid. We got a kid playing quarterback for the Giants. We've got a kid. Yeah, he's, just, uh, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. Uh, but you know, 
Love him. Wish he wasn't starting, uh, but love him. Uh, so that brings us to the game. Uh, the great Danton. I, I don't have the numbers right. In f- oh, yes, I do. The Giants are 2-7-1 against the spread this year, Dan. So uh, if you were just picking against the Giants all year, that is a pretty good You're If you're a betting man, if you're just betting against the Giants against the spread this year, you're making quite a few units back. Uh, I think you've picked the Giants a couple times, but not re- not recently. You've been picking against the Giants uh, pretty predominantly, and it's been working for you. Uh, this is a this one's tough because I I still think the Washington Commanders are yeah, one of those bro. teams where yeah, well, isn't this one of those teams the Giants could at least keep it low scoring and close, kind of like maybe kind of like the first meeting or kind of like the Jets game a little bit where. It's just really ugly. Uh, it, it's it's not a game that gets away from them right away, like Dallas or 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 Vegas. Or do you think that? I mean, Washington can score points. At least they have against other teams, not against the Giants a month ago. But uh, I don't know. The Giants have won seven of the last ten meetings, but they're in a, a rough spot right now. So it's a ten point spread. Let's get the great Danton's pick this year, Dan. What do you think about the game? Well, let's. You know, first of all, Washington's offensive line has settled in pretty considerably. Unfortunately, that came after the benching of Nick Gates, who I still love. Um, but they have improved, you know, like I said, pretty considerably. And that was the Achilles heel the last time these two played. The Giants had like six or seven sacks, something like that, against Howell. Yeah. Um, on top of that, the Giants' secondary has really fallen off, you know, a ledge since that last game as well. Deontay Banks, for the last three games, has look like a shell of what he looked like earlier in the season. Um, he's not really having the success against the number ones like he had been. In banged McClellan. up too, right, Dan? He's hurt. Thanks. Yeah, they're all banged up at this point, yeah. So assuming that he you know, he plays in this game, which again, as of this recording, I don't know what his injury status is. Won't find out until later today. Uh, but Terry McLaurin, I would, I would pound the drum every single day saying he's the best wide receiver in the league. Love that player. I, I really – yeah, I think statistically – his numbers don't match up with the talent that, that he actually brings onto the field. So I, I can't envision a scenario where Deontay Banks is going to have a good day against the league's top passer and the best wide receiver in the league. Um, so those two things alone combined with the fact that I can't believe I'm even saying this, considering what we were just talking about a couple of weeks ago, Kayvon Thibodeau has completely disappeared again. He is com- completely and totally non-productive after, you know, after all the support he gained in, in the face of the WFAN drama, it's kind of surreal that he's fallen off a map since then. But even in the last game, did you see a stat line by any chance for the Dallas game? Uh, give it to me. I don't have the box score in front of me, actually. Nothing. Not a single statistic registered. I don't think anyone on defense had good stats in that one. Oh, they didn't. But he. But even with the film matches the box score. That's not always yeah. the case. You'll hear me say that often, that you can't just look at the box score. In this particular instance, it, he had one good play, one the entire game, and was otherwise invisible. Hot and cold and, this year, uh, Kayvon has been, huh? It's yeah. been, yeah. So you, so you can't have all of this falling apart just like the Giants are right now and then go into this game and, and feel confident in any sort of way. There are a lot of mismatchups, you know, mismatches that the Giants are going to have to endure here. Um, and that's if they are able to keep their cool with each other in the first place. So. I get the 10 point spread here. I honestly do. And I know people are going to be crazy when I say this, but I think that that Washington's going to win and cover. Ooh, that's, that's tough to hear, Dan. That's tough to hear. This is Washington. This is Washington. We're talking about, but Sam, Howell, I crapped all over him before the first game and I was proven right. Um, so I was very excited with myself. Yes, I rarely get a take. True. I was texting you. I was like, Dan, I'm rarely right on the show, but I really <laughs> called that one. 
He's looked a lot better since that the last month. He's looked a lot better, hasn't he? Howell? Yes. Well, that that change along the offensive line helped considerably. It really did. Like they really settled down. They're still far from from good. I mean, but they're closer to average than they were at the time they played the last game. So I, I think that's helped them, you know, quite a bit. Uh, you know, he's getting the experience, he's getting the reps, he's starting to recognize defenses a little bit better. He's, you know, still got a long way to go, obviously, but it's going to be a much different quarterback from the one we saw last time, especially if the Giants aren't able to get pressure on him like they had been. All right, Dan. So here's, I really need the great Dan Tom for this. Uh, Survivor pool, 366 entries. Oh boy. 33 people left. I'm still alive. I'm, I thought I was going to take Miami against Vegas this week. That's kind of what I, my plan was. Uh, I don't know that I would do that right now. Yeah. So should I take Washington? Which one's better, Washington or Miami? I like the way. I mean, I know the Raiders had some mistakes the other night, but I like the way that they're playing under Antonio the, Pierce. The Pierce factor. Yeah, it matters. It really does. The Giants historically win this game, they, and they do. Um, and so that's really tough. But I, I just, I genuinely do not feel at all confident about. Can Tommy DeVito go out there and beat the Commanders? That's going to be so. That's going to be the question you got to ask yourself when it comes to that. Can Tommy DeVito go out there and beat them? And I don't think so because even without their their talented pass rushers now, you know, traded away, um, it's, it's not going to matter because all they got to do is load the box and stop Saquon Barkley, you know? Yeah. So that's that's the key to the game right there. You, you load the box, you stop Saquon. I, I think they're, you know, Ron Rivera, not the best coach, but he's certainly not an idiot. I think it's pretty clear as day what they got to do to shut the Giants down offensively. So go in there. Make Tommy DeVito beat you now for your survivor pool. That's the question. Do you believe that he could do that? I I personally do not. Yeah, from what I've seen, I'm I'm not a big believer in Tommy DeVito. Uh, but uh, picking the Commanders would just be uncomfortable and painful. But, it, it it is odd to pick the command. I don't think I don't in, in the entire time we've done this. I don't think I've ever picked the Giants no. to lose to the Commanders. No, we've we've rarely even had the Giants lose to them since we've been doing the show the last three yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're but we're at the point where we're ten point underdogs to this team. Sam Howell. Ron Rivera. It is a, it is a wild place to be. And, and, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get crap for that prediction too because my buddy Dante, who uh, who was the one I was telling you about last week about how I was texting with the guy, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. you know, don't, yeah, well, Tyrod Taylor is gonna get hurt. He blamed it on me. Well, he used to work for the Washington Football Team. Oh, jeez. Uh, and he's a Giants guy, but he so he's gonna. I know you're listening to this, buddy. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it's got to be. <laughs> What's up, Dante? We appreciate you, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Commanders. Whew, okay, we're on the Commanders this week. So that's where we're on. They're going to cover a 10-point spread. That's what the great Dan Todd says. Whew, boy. That is, uh, we are living in a twilight zone. Uh, Dan, it is uh, <laughs> anything folks should be looking for? Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we didn't even get to on this show. So yeah. uh, and the, the Giants are banged up. I mean, we mentioned Thibodeau. He's dealing with a concussion along with Hyatt. Uh, Deontay Banks is dealing with an ankle, Cordell Flott, a shoulder. Andrew Thomas was in and out of the game. Uh, Saquon looks like he's playing through some stuff, too, with that ankle. It doesn't seem like that's 100%. So injury reports and all that leading up into this game. And I guess there's no quarterback controversy. It's DeVito again. Yeah, I, I think, the, you know, the coverage for the rest of this week, um, obviously injuries are going to be a big story. Uh, we're going to see if there's going to be any fallout from that Daniel Jones report, whether there's any contradictory reports or supportive reports. So I think you'll be you'll be honing in on that. Um, and then obviously it's going to be all the drama for the Giants. It's going to be all the drama off the field. You know they've got um, 
coach interviews on assistant coach interviews on Thursday. You're going to hear from Wink Martindale, which is going to be a fascinating conversation given everything that's that's transpired regarding him and, and Xavier McKinney and his comments last week and his argument with Dayball um, on Sunday. You're going to hear from players like Dexter Lawrence again, who ripped into the media earlier this week. Um, we'll see whether or not Xavier McKinney speaks to the media. I have a feeling he's going to continue to refuse. And then I think the big story, you know, potentially the big story for the rest of this week of what we'll be covering is whatever airing of grievances Jihad Ward has. Because let's just be honest, he's sort of a fiery, in-your-face, expletive-laden kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So whatever he's got to say is going to be pretty interesting, and we'll see if it sets further fire to the Giants or if maybe if it calms things down. Good stuff is always right there from Dan Benton. And, of course, the team – at Giants Wire, they got you covered leading up to kickoff and beyond. Uh, you know the season right. co- the season continues to uh, go the way we have kind of expected it to. It is going into the tank, uh, but we'll be here each week at Giants Wire. You guys, there's no days off during the season, Dan. You guys are just cranking no. it out. Good good work no. by you and the team, man. You guys are. Yeah, guys are tough I, I'll tell you what. I, I, there's no days off, but I'm about to take an hour off. That's yes. I'm gonna yeah. I, I'm going to go enjoy my card break. Uh, your mom loves sports on whatnot. Go check him out. He's a great <laughs> guy. So wish me luck there. Yeah. Good luck with that, Dan. And then we'll be back next week to break down this game and then talk about Giants Patriots. Oh, boy. Uh, I am. Uh, that's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that one. Giants Patriots. What a barn burner that's going to be. We will uh, catch you next week. Yeah.